0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Sales Podcast. This is Tom Alemo, your host. They call me Tommy Tahoe around here. Uh, Really excited to be having another episode and and with you uh, in your ears as you're going to the grocery store, you're working out, uh, walking the dog, whatever it is that you're doing right now. Um, I'm excited to be here and thanks for joining. So uh, this is episode 195. We're closing in on 200. We're kicking off the year 2021 strong. Um, I've got a great interview for you today that I think you're going to love. Um, it's with Brian Smith. So let's take a step back. Mental health and burnout, um, although they've gotten more play in the last few years, I think are still highly, highly um, dismissed in business, especially in sales. Um, and I think they're so prevalent. I meet I I could not tell you how many salespeople and sales leaders I've met that have told me, uh, and whether they want to admit this to their boss or to you know in public, that have told me personally that they struggle with uh, something around mental health. Uh, they've got gotten burnt out before. They feel anxious. Um, it affects their moods. Uh, it affects their sleep. Uh, they have stress dreams about work. Uh, you know, if you can. If you can relate to any of that, you know, give me a snap, uh, because I definitely can. And, um, you know, Brian Smith comes in with a really interesting background, um, an ex-wellness professional. He was a pro sports performance coach, right, that turned uh, founder and startup advisor. So um, essentially, he was working as a sports science consultant with Olympic athletes. So he uh, worked with athletes that represented over seven countries in the 2016 Olympic Games in Rio. Um, and he explains this in the, in the interview, and he'll do a much better job than I will. But he really worked with athletes to understand and customize, uh, you know, their regimens to fit their needs, you know, their individual needs, right? So, uh, if you know, he, you got to understand what your threshold looks like um, in terms of exertion and then trying to match peak performance without overdoing it, right? Because if you overdo it in an athletic sense, you're more likely to get hurt, right? Or you're not going to perform at your highest level. And if you're at the elite percentage where you're in the Olympics, um, you know, every second, every inch, you know, every pound, whatever it might be, counts. So that's what Brian was doing formerly. He then took that to co-found Leon, which is uh, the first ever AI-driven employee performance platform. Which is a mouthful, but essentially, what he's doing is taking that science behind mental health and burnout and exertion that we face mentally in business, or you know, in sales specifically, um, and helping companies to help take care of their employees, right? So, um, you know, in the instance where you're going hard, hard, hard as a sales rep, right, in say Q4 right? We we're all doing that. We we're all trying to close our deals before the end of the year. If your year ends in January, you're still doing that and God bless, right? And if you're in that mode, you know, at least for me, at the end of every single year around Christmas time, I get a cold without fail because the day that I stop working and grinding, my body, you know, a day or two later realizes, oh shit, we've been on reserves for a while. We haven't been sleeping enough. We haven't been eating maybe right. We've been drinking maybe too much. We've been sleeping, not enough. We haven't exercised enough, etc. And so, uh, my body like forces itself into a shutdown and maybe that's familiar to you, maybe not, but, um, this is what Brian's really focused on is the physiological aspect of burnout, which is super interesting of trying to give some great strategies on how you as a salesperson or as a leader can help to follow that wave understand your threshold understand where you're at and try to kind of guide how hard you should be working what types of activities should you do on certain days things like that it's super interesting i really think you're going to like this conversation brian super down to earth um and a really smart guy so i think you're going to love this if you do love it first hit him up brian with a y smith on linkedin i uh, could check out leon that's l-e-o-n on linkedin or, or check their website Um, You can add me. I love talking to people that listen to the podcast on Twitter or Instagram. I'm Tommy Tahoe. On LinkedIn, I'm Tom Alemo. Uh, You're listening to this probably on Apple or Spotify, or maybe you're looking at me on YouTube. If so, this is a new shirt. I hope you like it. Uh, And um, the one thing that you can do to help uh, for this show is to go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and leave a quick five-star review. It should take you less than a minute. You type in millennial sales. You hit subscribe and leave a review. Helps me grow the show. It helps me get better guests. Uh, Helps me provide a better product to you on the back end, right? So we've all got 200 episodes. We're tight like that. I hope you can do me a favor and leave that review. Uh, Or otherwise, just share this thing out on social or, you know, tag me or send it to a friend or your team on Slack, whatever it might be. Uh, Hopefully this episode helps. Hopefully this episode in particular, uh, if you know someone that's struggling with mental health, this might help them to, um, you know, see some of the physiological aspects of it and uh, and learn a new thing. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I really do think you will. Let me know what you think. Uh, without further ado, let's get straight into my conversation with Brian Smith. Let's go. All right, we're live. Brian Smith. What's up, man?
1: What's going on, Tom? How's, uh, how's Connecticut?
0: Oh, it is. It's good. We had a little storm here yesterday, but it's all cleared now in the wilderness here, surrounded by oak trees. How are you doing?
1: It's good. I had the same storm. We had like thunderstorm warnings all day. Um, and my, my daughter, she's in uh, like competition gymnastics, right? So, yeah. so on Monday night, she has like a three hour practice so uh which i have to sit there for you know and i love my daughter right but you know i was sort of hoping for tornadoes at some point yeah so i wouldn't have to go sit in a gymnastics place for three hours but uh, but other than that everything's good
0: is it just is it just one one uh one kid that you have
1: i have two i have two daughters so yeah so i have an 11 year old and an eight year old so my eight year old is like super gymnast right I can bang out like 20 pull-ups in a clip you know it's I know it's, really, it's ridiculous. Like I couldn't even <laughs> climb a rope when I was that age. Right. And she's like, yeah. just, just pull me up, pull up. Like and she'll do it for money too. She's like, dad, how much are you going to be today? You know, <laughs> <laughs> to pull up. you know, so I'm like $30 in. I'm like, all right, that's, that's enough. Let's stop there.
0: Now, did you encourage a lot of that, like, you know, athletics as, as a kid, just based on your background or not really? No,
1: not really. Um, you know, it, it's so funny, especially within sports and really with sales to a certain extent, you know, there's the, uh, the sort of nature versus nurture sort of conversation and argument, right? Um, You know, my 11-year-old is a complete bookworm, right? Super intelligent, super smart, into Harry Potter, like you sort of name it, right? Like that sort of fits into that category. Like if there was a Comic-Con, she'd be there right now. Um, Where my eight-year-old is probably the most athletic, one of the most athletic people I've ever seen in my life completely on our own right but it fits into our personality too like she'll just do headstands like all over the place or she'll do splits all over the place but this was even before gymnastics um you know so it's just funny like the way that they came out of like the womb is sort of the way they are right i didn't influence her athleticism i didn't influence her energy you know they're just you knew how they were right from the start and they sort of came on that track you know and as a parent you just sort of have to influence that a little bit right um yeah you know, but it's really interesting stuff. And, you know, the sales stuff is the same things, right? I, you know, I'm, and we'll get into this a little bit more about mental health and resiliency and all these other things. But, you know, some of us are, are born certain ways. And some of us are, can handle certain things, especially when it comes from stress, and just being resilient and adapting to burnout. And a lot of those things are, are physiological in nature. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool stuff.
0: And so were you in the like growing up were you in the athlete camp like did you play a bunch of sports I I imagine and probably pretty naturally gifted
1: No no um you know it's I wasn't I was not gifted at all I played all the sports um but I I never really did anything organized and you know this this really comes into like I was a really bad kid man um you know through <laughs> high school and everything to a point where like after high school like I probably wasn't getting into college so I went into the military um so I uh, I spent six years in the army and then I went to university. Um, but, you know, a lot of it was like, I really wanted to play organized sports, but I was so uh, stubborn, I guess, and like refused to like be coached or listen to people uh, you know, that just being in that environment and being yelled at by a coach just wasn't going to happen as far as, you know, what was going on right now. But it also, I think being that way sort of led me into, you know, starting multiple companies and, you know, sort of being in the role today. So I guess I wouldn't change anything.
0: Yeah. So you, uh, so you went to the army and then you went to university. And then after that, I see that it looked like you were like a GM for an LA fitness for, you know, six, seven, eight years. And then that's, there's like a sharp transition from owning an LA fitness for almost a decade to getting into you know some of the sports psychology type of stuff with, with track and field. What, what was the pivot point there? How did that happen?
1: Yeah. So, um, I was in, I was in the army reserve so during that time i was going to i was going to university and was going to school um, and i went to school for exercise science um, and then you know after that it got into a situation where i knew i had to be sort of in fitness but also or in sports science or whatever um, but getting into that space is really really hard right because what you have to do is essentially you have to start as like an unpaid intern um you know at some like d3 college or something along those lines and work your way up and quite honestly, I was just sort of unwilling to do that because uh, I wanted to make money, right? And it's funny, as you know, as an LA Fitness general manager and I worked up to like eventually a, a senior vice president, you know, I was like 21, 22, probably making, you know, three, $400,000 a year. Mm. Um, I know, so it was crazy, right? So I was like, I saw that and I was like, dude, I'm not doing anything else. Like, this is ridiculous. I can't make yeah. this anywhere, especially working at a gym. Um, but it was like hardcore sales bro like you know 20 to 30 new memberships a day constant cold calling working on christmas like working every single holiday just like you know it was uh it was the stereotypical like abc sort of always be closing like to a point we'd have closeouts twice a month right we'd have a closeout on the 15th of the month and then the month and all the general managers and vps would get in together and go to someone's house you know and when you're 21 they had this big-ass house, right, and this dude's, like, 25, and he's driving, like, a Benz, and he's got, like, a, you know, a million-dollar house, and it was, we'd all sit around and watch Boiler Room, and we'd all get, like, amped up, <laughs> like, jacked up on Boiler Room, you know, and it was so stereotypical, it was just ridiculous, um, you know, but but during that time, um, I was, uh, I was, you know, I was, I like sort of moonlighting as, um, an intern with some professional sports organizations um, and coaching clinics and whatnot, and eventually that turned into me working with a professional track and field yeah. group, um, and I had great success. You know, uh, I worked with uh, Chanel Price, who won the uh, world championships in 800 meter um, in like 2012, or, or I think. Um, then eventually worked with a guy named Indrajit Singh, who was uh, the uh, he won the European World Championships in shot put um and we had just great success and i really sort of caught on to it and eventually that sort of took me into um you know consulting for track and field really across the world um in the olympics and the real olympics i had uh probably over 30 athletes that i was consulting with um on a daily basis uh you know so it was pretty cool and you know and we'll probably get into it but the consulting stuff is really interesting because you know essentially what we're doing is we're taking data like blood testing um, muscle biopsies, like literally, like digging through someone's muscle. Um, EEG, looking at like heart rate monitoring. ECG, looking at um, like brainwave activity, as well as like benchmarking against previous athletes, and we'd use that to ultimately predict performance four years out, um, and actually mm. predict a medal four years out, um, or even predict injury to a certain extent. Um, mm. So that's what we did. I wasn't necessarily like lifting the weights with them. It was more like legit, sort of like sports science type applications.
0: Interesting. And so, would that then affect what their training regimen was based on, hey, you have this type of, you know, genetics, Uh, you need to, you know, lift heavier weights, or you need to, hey, you need to lay off the weights and do more, you know, stretching, or I don't know, I'm just kind of making this up, or you need to change your diet based on that. that
1: 100%. 100%. So, you know, especially when you got into like muscle fiber typing, right? Like you don't understand you know, for lack of a, I guess, better analogy, like if someone's a Ferrari or if someone's is like a Tesla, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as how they work, you know, Tesla might be a poor example, but use like a Ford, I guess. You know, one is able to go super duper long distance, you know, it doesn't get beat up, but if you try pushing a Ferrari, you know, all day, every day is like your daily beater is just going to break down, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to train those athletes individually and, and, and program those athletes individually to a point where even the recovery modalities are very different, right? Like we would be able to know um, how a recovery modality, like say ice bath or sauna or something like that, or even nutritional interventions, or heavy massage, or light massage, how that impacted a specific athlete, and what their recovery response was. So we would know, oh shit, this recovery causes a negative stimulus to this athlete. This type of recovery causes a positive stimulus to this type of athlete, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're so individual. And going back to what I said about nature and nurture, we're all born a certain way. We all have a physiological makeup. And some of those are sort of impacted by... Um, uh, like child, like childhood trauma by, you know, epigenetics, genetics, lifestyles, a child, lifestyles, a teen, all those things sort of make up all these things. But ultimately, we have one sort of physiological disposition, you know, and I talk about this a lot with, uh, with resiliency, which you've probably heard a ton going on right now about resiliency in sales and all these other mm-hmm. things, right? It's probably the most Bullshit, biggest overused word in the whole entire world, right? And what I mean by that is what do HR managers say about resiliency? How do you build resiliency? Talk to your managers more. You know, you manage your mental health. You, you know, have a seminar. All like, how many resiliency webinars have you seen by fucking (laughs) bullshit HR people? Um, You know, and most of the time, man, resiliency has been already predetermined 20 years ago. All right. And we all have this, uh, this bandwidth that we're able to work within. Right. And my bandwidth might be a 10 Your bandwidth might be a seven. And as soon as you hit a seven, all right, you, you start decreasing, right? You start like, uh, de-adapting. All right. And as soon as I hit 10, I start going down, but other people might have 20 other people might have 30, you know? Um, so when we say managing mental health or managing resiliency or pushing harder, it's not everybody's so individually different, right? and it's really hard to make assumptions as a manager, especially as a sales manager, on how hard you can push your team and what's right for every individual within your organization.
0: And so, I want to get—I just want to kind of dive all the way in here because I've seen you post about that and talk about—you know—it's—it's it's a very individual thing, and and I like what you're saying about the different bandwidths, right? Some people might have a seven, some might have a ten, some might have a twenty. So, my first question would be: How do you know? What your own band like, how do you get to know yourself to that level? Because in my experience, and this is just me, I'm an ambitious guy. I just push and I push and I push and I push. And then one day I'm just feel fucked up. (laughs) And, you know, I feel, you know, depressed or I feel super sluggish, or you know, I sleep for 12 hours or whatever it might be. And I've had moments where I crash, you know, pretty hard. And I've had moments where I've you know, kind of wavered. And, you know, I'm like, oh man, I'm not feeling it today. And like kind of different ebbs and flows of that. Sure. Um, So I'm curious how you get to know, you know, your own level. And then can you increase that? Are there ways that I can take myself from a seven to a 10 or to a 20?
1: Yeah. So, um, so let's get into um sort of the stress response theory, or or it used to be called general adaptation theory. Essentially what happens is your body is always the main trying to maintain a a level of uh, allostasis right or maybe a better term for people understanding is homeostasis right and then this is sort of like your body in homeostasis and then what happens is there's a stressor that's given to you and that stressor could be anything it could be a fight with your fiance or your wife your husband or whatever that is right and there's a disruption in homeostasis and what happens is is that there's a decrease in that re- in your homeostatic response right and as you're sort of going down your body's trying to adapt all right, to that stressor, right? It's by using hormones and all these other things, mostly hormones, to sort of adapt un- and sort of help your body sort of level out and then come back up and supercompensate, right? That term supercompensation is super important here because um, there is homeostatic, homeostasis, stress response, recovery, supercompensate. Now, supercompensating means that you're giving yourself a higher level of homeostasis right? So every stress response, your body recovers, it learns how to adapt to that stress response. And now it will never adapt the same way there, Does that make sense? It's learned, it's learned how that, yeah. what that stressor was and how it needs to adapt to it. And so now the next time you feel that stress, there's a little less slight disruption, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. go as deep down. Now what happens with within, within all of us, especially when we're trending towards burnout, there is no super compensation, right, is what happens, all right, homeostasis, all right, you're, you're disrupted, so there's a stressor, all right, say that's day one, all right, another stressor comes in day two, another stressor comes in day three, another stressor comes in day four, another stressor comes in day five, then the weekend comes, and then you might super compensate a little bit, but you just fucking went through seven days of, like, serious stress, right, right, And then Monday happens again, more stress, more stress, more stress, more stress. Slight compensation, more stress, more stress, more stress. That is burnout. Burnout is not, I just feel shitty about myself. Burnout is a physiological response that when it gets tough enough, presents itself as a mental health issue. And that's important for people to understand. So when you ask us, like, how do you understand personally from a you standpoint, what's going on? It's really hard, right? Unless you're using sort of data or whatnot, or sort of like you can use HRV. There's a lot of sort of different testing applications you can understand from a physiological standpoint, you know. But um, you know, Taleb. Have you ever read Taleb, uh, Nassim Taleb? Um, And the book, Anti-Fragile, by any chance?
0: No, that's on my list, though. Yeah, pretty good.
1: Uh, Great book. Um, So he he talks about this concept of like waiting for inspiration to sort of do work, right? And one thing I've learned as I got a little bit older is that the days that I feel like shit are the days that I feel like shit. And I can't push as hard that day. And sometimes you have to like, like I love this concept of ranking, especially from a, like a SDR and AE standpoint, ranking, ranking activities on a stress level, right. On a one to five. Mm. Right. Okay. So if you feel great today, Dude, do your stressful activities. Make your cold calls. Do your meetings. Do your pitches. Talk to your managers. Do whatever, right? Because that's the day that you feel good, all right. And that's say that's your moat. That's your fives. On the day two, say you know you're not feeling that great, but you're not like a hundred percent in the ground. Maybe that's the day you do your two and three activities. Maybe that's the day you do your cold emails, your social touches, or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. By day three, maybe that's the day that you do your you know your uh, your lead research or you know update CRM or whatever. Like I know this is not sort of like a perfect like because real life doesn't work this way, right? Yeah. Sometimes you gotta do this all the time. But that's what we want to go for, right? Is you wanna try to bucket each thing's in stressful activities, moderate activities, low activities, right? And then take those into account based off how you feel and do those that day. Because what happens is you don't get the mental strain of feeling like you're not doing anything, right? Because that's tough within itself as well. You're like, shit, I didn't do anything today. Mm -hmm. I was useless and you beat yourself up, right? Like that sucks. So at least what you can do is those days that you feel bad, you can still be productive. You can still move the needle forward, but you're not adding more stress to an already stressed out system, right? You're allowing that recovery process to happen. Now, the greatest thing about this is if you allow this to happen the right way, right? You allow that super compensation process to happen, right? Disruption, super compensation. Over time, you trend up, right? You're constantly, and I'm gonna use this term fitness, not from like an exercise standpoint, but from like an evolutionary standpoint, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's a con, you're you're developing fitness as you go to continually excel at your job because you're managing literally finite resources which are like hormones and energy sources and whatnot within your body all right to continuously sort of adapt and improve rather than what happens in everyday life right now with especially with you know work within tech it's a constant sort of like fight-or-flight response always and fight-or-flight response constant fight-or-flight response dude it leads to early death like that's legit you know but we we don't take that into account
0: that's that's interesting. So uh, how do you feel about even splitting it up within the day? Like let's say um what I've tried to do and advise people to do is, you know, uh like when I feel good, usually I feel better in the morning than I feel later in the afternoon. I I'm a morning person. I'm, you know, energetic. So I try to get my harder things done in the morning. Like that's when I'll do a workout, that's when I'll Do my prospecting. That's when I'll, you know, maybe have a podcast interview. Like, you know, if I have a big meeting, I'll try to do it in the morning. And then afternoon is when I might, you know, do my lead lists or you know send emails or whatever. You know, have an internal meeting.
1: It's like you're like micro micro stress responses, right? Like that's yeah, 100. And the same things happening It doesn't doesn't you don't have to think of it from like day like cycles or week cycles or month cycles. Like you said, think about it in four hour increments, right? Where, you know, you're sprinting for four hours and then you're allowing a essentially a 12 to you know 20 hour recovery, you know, if that's how you want to do it. Because, you know, doing lead research, like stuff's not stressful, at least from a, a fight or flight standpoint, from an autonomic standpoint, it's not stressful. So yeah, you could definitely do that. And it really works out well. And I know when I do that, like when I wake up in the morning, I do my workout, I have 20 cups of coffee, you know, I can just sort of grind, right? And I get through it. But if a time like 12, one o'clock happens, you know, you know, I'm I'm almost like done at that point. At that point, like I need to switch over to, you know, maybe writing or something a little less intensive.
0: Yep. And now when you were talking about, you know, uh, different athletes and they have to maybe change how they're working out or whatever it might mm-hmm. be, you know, I had this like internal kind of dilemma or this internal thought of, again, as someone that's ambitious, you know, I like, I can get fired up by people that really push the limit, you know, like I like going on the rocks Instagram and seeing him fly into Beijing and work out at one in the morning and then go to the sh- the set and do that. Or, you know, di- different people, these Navy SEALs or whoever like that, that gets me fired up. But at the same time, it's like, well, I, I'm not them. You know, I'm, I'm just not the rock. I, I can't go on two hours of sleep and, and, you know, do all that crazy shit. And like, I'm just, you know, I'm just not at that level. So like, do you think, like that hustle porn or whatever, you know, Gary Vee, that type of stuff. Do you think yeah. that's just all all bullshit or is there some value to that? Does that like create a negative perception of what's realistic for most people?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, because think about it, right? That's like saying you're gonna go get on a treadmill and turn into the same bull. Right. Like <laughs> that that is like re- like from a mental standpoint, yes, we have much larger capacity to adapt and get better than something from a, a a muscle fiber standpoint or tendon length standpoint, like all those things matter and just being really, really fast, right? But we all still have our ranges of capacity that we can work within. Like a lot of these things are physiological, like hormone makeup, um, the the, the state of your autonomic nervous system, which is like your parasympathetic sympathetic, fight or flight, rest and digest sort of responses, right? Like, dude, if you had a really traumatic childhood, like your bandwidth for working within stress is really low, right? And it's been proven. So there's a great um, study they did on Holocaust survivors. Okay. Um, and this will sort of drive this home, that in Holocaust survivors, they looked at the their great-grandchildren and they looked at their great-grandchildren's ability to adapt to stress, all right? And their great-grandchildren had limited capacity to adapt to stress. They they lacked a specific Mm. hormone, right? They lacked a specific hormone. So when stressful activities happened, there was a heightened stress response. It was more detrimental to their system. That's all based off epigenetics, right? That's all based off the concept that because their their great grandparents went through such trauma that it literally depleted hormonal resources for generations of family. Wow. So, how the hell is Gary Vee and all these other people, right, if that's the type of shit that we're dealing with, right, so I don't want to put limitations on people, because I think really anything's possible, but there's some sort of point where you have to know yourself, and how hard you can push, and if you can be the rock, or you can be a same bull, whatever, and granted, you could work that way, you could work towards that, but understand that there are there's always a there's a limiter to a certain extent. And that could be a daily limiter, right? It could be like, dude, I can't work 20 hours a day like like Musk, right? Like yeah. I can't do that. Right. But I can do eight. And then over time I can eventually get there. So, um, so yeah, does that answer your question?
0: No, it does. I found that research to be interesting because um sometimes I read, you know, a biography about someone and say they had a really rough childhood, maybe they grew up really poor or you know, had whatever, you know, battles that they had, or, you know, they overcame, you know, dyslexia or something. And then they, you know, became really successful. I feel like some of those people are like, man, I've been grinding since I was five years old. So now I can grind when I'm 25 years old. Um, and that maybe that's, that's like built up over time. I don't know if that's legit. But 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 if you go
1: to, if you go to any, um, you know, like poverty driven areas, any social economic, you know, area in any major city, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to, to completely look at the opposite of that. Right. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: where, you know, a lot of times trauma does cause trauma and trauma does, you know, does cause a lot of bad issues. And there's a lot of things that people can work out of, man. I mean, my dad was an alcoholic. He committed suicide. Like, and others there's ways you can sort of sort of work out of this, but you know, I, we just have to be smart on the Bay that we do it. Like I, I posted something yesterday. On LinkedIn and said the, the worst thing a manager can say is what doesn't kill you makes you stronger because that manager has no clue what can actually kill that person all right mm-hmm. and I don't mean that like a literal term I mean it's just like sometimes what doesn't kill you makes you stronger doesn't make you stronger it actually makes you weaker but as long as we're intelligent about it it won't but we have to understand the stress that we're giving people
0: Yep. so I mean you brought up you know, your father, you know, was an alcoholic, right? And I think whether people get down, you know, a path of addiction or not, there are healthy and unhealthy ways of of managing stress. So, you know, outside of structuring my day, right, I think that's great advice. Like structuring your activities to do the right way or or focus on certain days or certain times of day. Like what are other things that Like, what are some of the priorities that I should be having? Because I see all the, you know, again, I see all the gurus out there saying, you know, I wake up and I meditate for 45 minutes and then I journal and then I walk for three miles and then I work out and then I eat this really healthy breakfast and then I, you know, make a million dollars and then it's like, oh, this whole list of like, you know, help me if I'm starting off at a base level, like what should I be, should I be, you know, how should I be incorporating maybe a few habits into my, into my work?
1: You know, it's, it's one of these things where all that stuff is great. And I think all that stuff you should try and see if it works within to, you know, your model of recovery or your model of just sort of making yourself feel better. Um, you know, it's, it's one of these things where like Bo Jackson woke up and probably, you know, and ate like McDonald's for breakfast. And there's a ton of other athletes that do that and, you know, dominate, right. Um, So I think you just need to figure out what works best for you. So, you know, I look at, I remember I was saying about like the recovery response for athletes and how some recovery modalities wrecked athletes and other recovery modalities made other athletes feel better, right? Mm -hmm. Remember the cold bath and the sauna and stuff like that. It's real, right? So, you know, me waking up at, you know, 4am and then journaling for two hours and then working for three hours, or w- walking for three hours, or whatever, and then making a million dollars, you know, that first five hours when I'm journaling and 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 uh, and walking, I'm probably stressed out the whole time because I feel like I should be working, right? And mm-hmm. and maybe that and that causes more stress for me than just actually waking up and doing it, right? So it's easier. Mm-hmm. My life is easier when I can get up. I can work for a couple hours, then I can go to the gym, then come back, work for a couple hours, like that works for me and that works for my personality. But it also comes down to like, you know, we have, everybody talks about mental health, right? Mental health is fantastic, but other people, ma- the way people manage their mental health is all very different, right? Like me doing meditation is not the greatest thing for me, right, it doesn't fit into my sort of personality. Sometimes I like to just go lift heavy ass weights, right? Yeah. Or sometimes I like to run, Like that helps my mental health, right? Mm-hmm. So. When companies buy these services and whatnot about like you know helping their employees, most of the time none of it's really, you're not giving my it's hard to help every single person in your employee with just buying headspace for every single company, you know, right. or just having a yoga at lunch once a week. Um, so I guess to answer your question, you know, you have to figure out what works for you. And if that is meditation, awesome. If that is journaling, awesome. If it is walking, awesome. Just keep on doing it, build it into your schedule, understand how your body's adapting to it, and then make adjustments from there.
0: How do you take away that guilt of not working, you know, of spending that time? Because I have been working on, you know, trying to put some of these habits into place, and I've been doing them. And sometimes I'm good about it. And I, I tell myself, Hey, you know that if you don't do this thing, if you don't get your run in this morning and you skipped it and you went to do work instead, you're going to feel terrible in the afternoon. Like get that in. It's going to help you feel better. But I, I just, there's always just something in the back of my head. And I think people will relate to this. It's like, uh, you should be working right now or like, uh, there's more emails you could send, or you haven't hit your quota yet, or you know whatever it might be. And uh, for me, at least, there's always that lingering in the back of my head. And I, I'd have to imagine as an entrepreneur that happens to you sometimes too, where there's, the job's never over. I mean, you could work 24 hours a day and nothing, you wouldn't, you'd still have more to do. So, mm. like, how do you help manage that self talk?
1: Uh, I lean into it quite honestly. Um, mm. yeah, you know, and. I, you know, I'm a firm believer is that you have to earn the right to recover, right? Um, You you don't just get to recover, right? Like you, like there is a, you do have to stress yourself out to allow that recovery to happen and to sort of supercompensate, right? So I think you have to ask yourself is, do you need the recovery? All right. And is this exactly what you need right now to make yourself better? All right. And if it's not making yourself better, then keep on working or keep on pushing through or go for that run. Right. But if you know that you've earned the right to recover, then by all means, that's when you have to be honest with yourself and take that recovery.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's I guess it's just. It, it, it's just trying to kind of put it into perspective and yeah, to your point, earning it and saying, Hey, you know, I've been working like a dog for you know all week or all month or whatever. And it's like, or, you know, I crushed it yesterday. It's like, all right, I need to take some time this morning for myself or, or whatever it might be.
1: Yeah. I mean, cause, cause and there's going to be times where stress is necessary. Right. And like, you know, I, I talk about managers and leaders being smarter about how they manage their people. And I feel like I worry sometimes it comes off that I'm not saying like, don't grow really fast. Because you know, I'm okay with hustling. I'm okay with working hard. I'm okay with working really fucking hard. All right. But you just have to know within yourself and within your people and within your company at what point you allow that back off to happen. Right. Yep. So work as hard as you possibly can to achieving your goals because there's a mental health advantage to that, to succeeding. Right. So work as hard as you possibly can, but just once you like understand that there has to be some, there must be recovery built into that. All right. Because like again like think about like a professional athlete like do you know what it goes through to try to win a gold medal like it's pain suffering it's crying all right but we get it to a point where like you're right there all right you're right at that point where we're adapting as much as we humanly possibly can and then that's when we're backing off now we're using Mm -hmm. data and whatnot to understand that but what happens in companies they just don't ever back off you know, they yes. just keep on scaling, right? Like they just, it's just like, let's just go. Let's just keep on going. For the next five years, we're going to push to a hundred million dollars, right? But yeah. they don't ever understand. It's like there, there is a point at some point, there's multiple points during that, during that, that sprint where you have to back your team off a little bit, allow recovery to happen and then keep on going. And that's what, that's the part that we miss. That's what salespeople miss. That's what companies miss. That's what VCs miss. Is that there's ways to quantify all this and understand a better way to use people to grow companies, but we just have to take us not a science first approach but a logic based approach to all of it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we're, we're talking on the first day of the month right where it's like, you know, I'm on a monthly quota and, you know, whether I hit or not last month is is irrelevant, you know, now that the work day starts it's like alright well what have you done for me lately and that's just the mentality. Of you know, 99% of sales teams and, and sales leaders is like, well, we got to get to the next thing and and probably have CEOs too. And you you bring up a point of you know, managing this into a, a day or a week, but even on a larger scale, I I kind of have a I have an interest in like a professional athlete schedule in the sense that you know, a football player goes out and they have training camp where they're getting ready and then they have the season and then they have the playoffs and they have an off season. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're not just like sitting on the couch the whole off season, but it's a, probably a toned down, you know, the first few weeks after, you know, the season, they're probably doing nothing. They're probably relaxing with their families. Then they're getting back into it and, you know, you know, working on different skills or lifting weights or whatever it is, but they're not flying all over the country every week. They're not traveling. They're not, they don't have all these meetings. So it's kind of that time to rebuild and work on different things and, mm-hmm. you know, try to figure out what, you know, what it is, what, you know, what you want to do after, you know, playing sports or, you know, what team you want to join or whatever it is. And then you get back after it and then you have that intense season and, you know, there's points, you know, one day a week you might get off or something like that. But I wonder if companies ever think about that, like given a, uh, you know, a, a few weeks off or a month off or, hey, this is our slow month and Hey everyone, you know, take that month and do whatever you want. Um, I I don't know if you've ever come across that a yeah. business.
1: So um, it's a good point. Uh, so in sport, it's usually called GPP, general physical preparedness, and yep. SPP, specific physical preparedness. Um, and then you go into your season, right? But what happens is within season, it's highly stressed out, and actually people lose fitness sometimes, depending on sport. Um, But like track and field, they lose some of their fitness um, in season. Mm -hmm. Um, Football players they lose some of their fitness in season, like their general fitness, and that general fitness gives you the ability to build things on top of. Right, it's like a pyramid. You want to have a really robust base of your pyramid, where you have just general physical fitness and general mobility, flexibility, and all these things, right? And the same thing with like salespeople is that you want to have. But during that, go back during that GPP phase, they're not. They're stressed out, but not to a point where it's detrimental to their health, right? They're just building this baseline. And once they have that baseline, then they build on top of it. Now, with companies, can we do the same thing? It gets a little hard because it's it, like it's always moving the needle forward, right? There's no off season, um, but there is downtime. Now, now think about it like this, right? So I'll give you something sort of real to use. Um, in sport, we use something called a uh, a wellness survey. All right. And that wellness survey is, you know, like five questions that look at like more muscle soreness, sleep, anxiety, and, like two other things. I'll send it to you so you can post it in the show notes if you want. All right. Um, and they use that and then they benchmark that against previous times, All right, Those scores, they do them every single day, all right, for all their athletes. And they make adjustments either on a daily basis or on a weekly basis or monthly basis based off that general survey. So think about it from a a sales manager standpoint. If you do this survey at the beginning, say the beginning of a quarter at the end of the quarter, what that can help you do is assess how stressful that quarter was for your people. All right. And you Mm -hmm. track it over a trend line. And what you do is you take that and you overlay that over a period of a year two years. And then you can understand how stressful and how impactful is certain times of the year are to your people, right? Because that gives you real data. So think about it like this. If you know that coming into, like, let me ask you, what's the most stressful time of year for you from a, from a growth standpoint? Uh,
0: probably where we're at right now, Q4 at the end of the okay.
1: year. Okay, so, so Q4, right? So you know coming in the Q4 that your team is, that, that's going to be their most, it's the most important time, but it's also the most stressful time. Yeah. So in spore, I would take that, and I would, that would mean that I would, I would deload them coming into the beginning of Q4. So I would back off for maybe a couple of weeks, right? allow them to recover, get their mind right, like their body right and all those other things. So I know that they are super compensating going into Q4, right? Because they have adapted all right? and they're coming back up and now they're peaking, right? They're ready to just fucking demolish everything because their whole system has recovered and is ready to go, all right? And then I also know that coming out of Q4, that they're gonna be really damn tired, all right? And that going back into the, the first quarter, that they might, um, there might be a, a like a, a long tail effect of that. Right. So what do I do? I assess my, OKRs going into Q, at the Q1. And I say, okay, they're coming out of the most stressful quarter. Let me take a back off week before we go into that, adjust, OKRs slightly so that the goals are maybe a little bit more manageable or whatever have you. So you get sort of that, that rec- they're, they're down, you get slightly of a recovery process and they peaked again, coming into a week after Q and I started, does that make sense? Mm-hmm
0: yeah no, it definitely does. And how like so, how would you advise, let's say you know, I take on a new team or a new job and you know I'm a new manager, right? I'm not the CEO. I'm not even a VP, but I've got a team working for me. like how would i how do I lead them in the right way? Like how do I take into account all of the things that we're talking about while knowing that I'm not the main guy or you know i'm I don't have the final say. I've got people that I've got to report to. And um, and goals that they tie me to. So how do I? How can I still lead with that? You know, empathy and lead with you know keeping their best interest in mind and knowing that it's individual.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, maybe I use sport analogies too much, but like you're from Mass, right? So if Bill Belichick gets fired tomorrow, all right, and a new coach I hope comes not. in, yeah, I know, and, but and he definitely will not. Um, but and a new coach comes in, do you think that coach is going to be like, all right, I'm taking over. I'm going to put everybody into the ground day one. Probably not, right? Because there's a respect earning standpoint there. Like there's a couple things, right? Um, so what you want to try to do is you want to figure out a way to get your team back to baseline or understand where baseline's at. So use a survey just, or just sit down and ask questions, right? But, you know, document that and understand is that, you know, the majority of my team is stressed out right now, right? So if the majority of my team is stressed out or anxiety ridden because their balls got fired or whatever have you, you need to let that dissipate just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if they're already super stressed out, so what is adding more stress going to do to it? Eventually you're just killing yourself in the long term. All right. Yeah. So back off a little bit, understand their state, and then give it a couple of days or a week or something like that. And figure out like, um, again, use the survey or something like that to understand is like, did they recover a little bit? Are they feeling better? And now that they are feeling better. All right. Then you can go and they say, okay, now we're going to set KPIs, or KPIs, whatever, let's go to town. All right. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I would do because I don't, I I see no other way in like history, either military or sport where a new leader comes in and doesn't earn the respect of their people first before asking them to do, you know, to hit goals they've never hit before.
0: Yep. And then I love that point. And and then you would also probably have to take that to the one-on-one level where it's a continuous process, right? Because, you know, Tom might have that bandwidth of 20 and Brian might have that bandwidth of 12. And so if you see them both rising up, you know, one of them might be able to go a little bit harder than the other one. And so trying to like ask those questions, like, would you recommend just being open about it and just saying, like leading maybe with saying, Hey, you know, some, like talking about your own mental health and how sometimes you get burnt out or shit, you know, I got to take a vacation or I got to, I got to call it sometimes, or, or how would you handle it?
1: And especially in sales, man, like, you guys are athletes all right and uh, to a certain extent like you're you're paid to perform all right and just like in sport there's going to be there's going to be low performers there's going to be middle performers going to be high performers it's impossible in this type of setting to ever set the same to set the same goal for every single person in your organization i mean if and if that's the case then you if you do want to do that you have to be really strict in your hiring all right um and i guess someone could say if they don't fit they don't fit and you just push them out the door, but that just doesn't make sense either from a business, you know, strategy standpoint. So yeah, you're going to have to set individual OKRs or KPIs that you're using. Um, You're going to have to try to assess what type of individual they are, right, and how best you could use them, you know. Um, Yeah, but I think you have to, you know, I think uh, sales and and business as a whole is if you truly want to prevent burnout, you truly want to prevent mental health issues, the only way to do that is on an individual basis. It's really hard to do it at scale.
0: Yeah, I want to pivot. I've seen you put this quote out a few times, and and um, I'm a fan of of this person as well. Um, I've seen you put out a Marcus Aurelius quote that you know people look for uh, retreats for themselves uh, in country by the coast in the hills. Uh, There's nowhere that a person can find a more peaceful and trouble-free retreat than in his own mind. So constantly give yourself this retreat and renew yourself.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm curious what that quote. Does for you or means to you?
1: You know, I think, uh, you know, if you look at Marcus Aurelius, right, he's probably the most stressed out individual of his time, arguably. Yeah. Right? You know, obviously, there's like peasants that were a hell of a lot more stressed out by him, but let's use it sort of like on a global level. Um, the only way for that guy to recover was in his own head, right? It's not like he was going to speak to a psychologist, all right? And if he went to like the Senate, he'd get knifed, right? Because he was showing weakness, all right? So that was the only way for him to do that. So for him, he understood that the only way to control his thoughts and to control his ability to recover was by con- was by controlling himself to a certain extent right so i guess to sum it all up you know the only way that you're going to find recovery is if you do it yourself all right and if it is in your head if it's recovery if it's workouts whatever that is you have to find whatever that is for yourself and then lean into it
0: mm. Are you a big stoicism guy? Like do you do you read about that? And
1: I do, but like, you know, I it's I feel like I haven't read enough philosophy to like put myself into one box or another. Like I do love it. I think I think uh, Marcus Aurelius came around to me at a time. I think that I really needed it. Uh, mm-hmm. so you know it's it's a book that you know really helped me and sort of supported me. So but I'm sure there's other things that are just as good as well.
0: You strike me as someone that's really well read, talking about just not only sports, but you talked about you know, historical figures, you know, uh, uh, people in, in war, you know, talking about stoicism. Like, um, are there any books that have particularly impacted you or, or even anything that you're interesting that you read now?
1: Um, so the two main books are Antifragile by Taleb and Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers by Sapolsky. Um,
0: oh, say that one again, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers?
1: By, yeah, by Robert Sapolsky. He's a, uh, okay. a professor at Stanford uh, at Evolutionary Biology. And uh, I think every manager should read it, in the world, right? Because it's all about the stress response and what it does to human beings. Actually, that study that I I, I quoted about um about uh the Holocaust survivors, I think it was actually in that in that book. Um, there's another really cool one about uh the person. And I could be getting this wrong, but I'm gonna say it as I think I I read it um, is the person who wrote like Peter Pan, right? Um. And I probably just ruined the punchline there, but there essentially there was there was two two kids, um, you know one was loved by their mom, whatever have you. Another one was uh, you know put in a closet pretty much his whole entire life, right? Lived a horrible life, you know never grew, you know was like sixteen and he was like four foot two and like weighed like sixty five pounds, whatever, just completely malnourished and whatnot. Um, what it ends up happening that was all because of stress, right? Like he was, they were feeding him, but he was so unloved that that's what stress did to him, all right? That's what that stress response, it prevented him from aging, from growing and whatnot. And as soon as he was put into a loving environment, he grew to be, you know, six foot tall, whatever. Um, but that person is actually the person who wrote the book, Peter Pan. Um, you know, and if you think about it, it's like the boy who never grows old and whatnot. It's mm-hmm. a really interesting story. But uh, But those two books for sure are probably my favorite from a stress response standpoint um you know like you said Marcus Aurelius I really like um I'm reading a book right now called Sapiens by Sapolsky mm-hmm. which is about like the study of just evolution and whatnot that's pretty cool uh but yeah I'm not really a fiction guy I can't really do it
0: yeah yeah I love it I'm gonna have to check Anti-Fragile's been on my uh has been on my list for a while and I've never heard of the Zebra book but I'd like to check them both out yeah. um what do you what's your take on on uh, on social media and more specifically, so obviously, you know, the, there's a new documentary, The Social Dilemma that came out a few months ago. Um, there's a lot of talk, you know, uh, post-election and pre-election about, you know, the things that, you know, places like Facebook and, and Twitter and, uh, you know, the addictive nature of them and, you know, how they can sway your opinion on things. And for me, um, I find it to be, you know, sometimes it's a... Re- can be a relaxing thing to turn your mind off for five minutes and scroll but other Mm -hmm. times it can be really triggering and it can you know create a stress response because you see someone that you know you hate on there or someone that's you know got their big ass car or whatever and then you're getting jealous about it there's all these different kind of negative connotations that can happen but do you have a strong opinion on social media like do you use it like do you you yeah i mean
1: I, again, I think it just depends, and so individual. You know, like yeah. I, I, I try to stay away from any sort of like big statements like that because you know there's a lot of positive things to social media. Like I like LinkedIn. Yeah. I mean, LinkedIn pisses me off sometimes, but I like it. Like I get great ideas from there. It drives my business in a lot of way, right? Um, so I think there's a lot of education. Social media. I mean, Facebook. You can see family. Twitter. I learned a ton of stuff too. Um, yeah. You just have to be able to assess if you're that person that it affects. I know, and if it does affect, then it is something you have to stay away from, or, or, yeah. if, you know, or if you do want to be on there, you just have to give yourself limited limiters or limitations or whatever to understand, you know, how long you can actually be on there before it, it actually does hurt you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And, and I think the way that I want to wrap this, I think like, you know, I'm, I'm really excited because this is a topic that I've been, you know, I've experienced myself, mental health issues, you know, burnt out anxiety, you know. The list goes on and, um, have, have sought out resources and sought out ways to kind of help with that on my own. And I love the concept of bringing the, the, the data and the science from sport and from what you, you know, internally your science of of your biology into how you can be a better performer. So I guess the place that I'd love to finish off is let's just say there's someone out here that's, you know, an AE or an SDR that is like, man. What you're saying, I am feeling. I dig it. I love it, Brian. I'm feeling, you know, terrible, or I this. I can relate to this, but I got my boss, and you know, he or she is just a hard driver, and we've got these goals, and we're going after our Series A right now, and uh, you know, the list goes on and on. Like, how how do I take this as an AE right now into my day, into my week, knowing that? There could be someone watching how many calls I make a day. There could be someone looking at my calendar or, you know, making sure that I'm, you know, setting the same amount of pipeline every single week or month. Like, how would you, how do you handle some of that interpersonal communication?
1: Yeah. um, You know, I guess this is probably going to piss a lot of people off, but like, you're not, you're not, you're not governed by a contract. Right. Um, So you're not locked in anything. Um, you know, so in track and field, if you work with a coach who just doesn't fit into your model, meaning your physiological sort of model, then it's probably not the right coach for you. All right. So that's something you do have to assess as well. Um, if just, that's not possible, then you got to do whatever you can to be able to recover in your downtime. You know, like you have to try to eliminate stress. Like your body doesn't interpret stress any different, like regardless if it's at work or with your spouse or, or anything like it's all stress. But that's the way your body, your body perceives that that threat and then adapts to it. Right. Um, so if work is so stressful, then you're going to have to eliminate stress in other places or really work hard to recover. Right. And that's when like these things that we see on LinkedIn about like lifestyle management, manage your mental health and all these other things, that's when they do come into play. Like that's when you must exercise because exercise is going to build that resiliency and those adaptive reserves. Um, that's when your diet needs to be on point because a poor diet is going to add to stress, right It's gonna mm-hmm. cause a stress response and inflammatory response in your system. Um that's when you do have to worry about sleep, right because we know sleep, especially um, if when you go into like sleep debt, it does cause it it does change your ability from a mindset standpoint, right you have a, a, it disrupts your ability to control um, like negative thoughts. Right. So we know that you need to be able to do that. That is sometimes that maybe you do need to talk to someone. Maybe that's when you have a talk space or headspace. Maybe you get blood testing done to understand there's any, like anything from a, like a amount nourishment standpoint that you need to do. Right. If you're low in vitamin D or vitamin C or vitamin A, like all these other things, like that's when you have to come into like, dude, I'm in the middle of a season. You know, if we're using the NFL example, I'm in the middle of the season and I need to play on Sunday. So if you need to play on Sunday, then you need to do whatever you can to be able to sort of adapt and and get ready to recover or to get ready to perform. So yeah, that's that's really the only way to do it, man. I mean, if if you're not going to leave the company, then you just need to stop complaining and manage yourself better.
0: Yeah, I love it. Well, I love putting the accountability on you, right? It's part of it is, you know, if you have access to the science and, and things that you're doing, that's amazing. If you don't, if you're if you're just on your own and you're an SDR and you're not, you know, uh, bringing on a whole platform or a whole team to a company and you're just managing yourself, like you gotta, you gotta turn inward, I think. Right. And understand like, know when you're feeling stressed, like you can feel it in your body and give yourself that break or know when you're feeling good and like really lean into that, like you're saying, and earn the recovery and really try to go and match those ebbs and flows um, to, to give yourself the best chance so that you're still working super hard. You're still getting your shit done. You're still being a top performer, but you're not losing your sanity because of it um, and not going to set yourself up for for failure down the road.
1: Yep, totally agree, man. Absolutely.
0: Uh, Brian, I appreciate this, man. What What's the best place for people to find you, to connect with you, to learn more about what you've got to say? Um, if there's people that uh, want to bring you on board to their company and think that their people can help, or or can that you can help their people rather. Um w- w- where would they where would you point them?
1: Yeah, so you know, I'm the worst at this. I don't know my Twitter handle. I don't know my LinkedIn handle. Uh, <laughs> but you know, go to myleon.co and, and what we do is we actually early predict things like employee burnout and employee mental health issues and we actually provide the fix as well. So if you want to look at it as for your company and use a sports science driven way to sort of scale your company faster and smarter, just go to myleon.co and check it out. Other than that, um, can
0: you email me at brian at myleon.co. I love it. People by this, by the time you're listening, it's probably 2021, get your head, right. Hit up, Brian, ask him some questions and he's putting out really good content on LinkedIn also, uh, that you can follow. And uh, I suggest connecting with him. I appreciate it, Brian. All
1: right. Cheers. Claire.
0: Thank you so much for checking out that podcast. I hope you saw value, uh, whether you're you know working out right now or doing the dishes or, um, you know, Laying around the couch, whatever you're doing right now while you're listening to this podcast, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found some value. If you did, the only thing that you can do to really help me out is to share this podcast with a friend, share it on social media, and please subscribe wherever you're listening Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is, and leave a review on Apple if that's where you're listening. That's what helps us to spread reach, helps us to get better guests uh, like the one that you heard just now, um, and to give you as much value as possible. So connect with me. Uh, LinkedIn, Tom Alemo, uh yeah, Instagram, Twitter, Tommy Tahoe, and subscribe, leave a review, and make it a great day. Peace. Thank you so much.